thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We are going to go from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want us to read this first chapter together. And after we read this first chapter together, we're going to talk about some things that to me really and truly are some of the most encouraging verses about a church in the entire Bible. The entire Bible. This, I mean, that's just me. Uh, you can have yours, your favorite passages and stuff too, but I mean, this is one of the most encouraging kind of passages about a church that I look at and I go, hey, look, this, is, this needs to describe us, okay? This, when people think of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ, and some of you have heard me preach and teach on this passage before, but... This, this has to be who we are. This has to be our focus. This needs to be our descriptor. And, and so the more we think about it, the more likely we are to be that way. So he starts off, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church in the Thessal- of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Let's stop right there for a second. I want to just, just kind of explain to you where the Thessalonian church is. The Thessalonian church is in Greece. And they are a coastal community, so they are, they are one of the largest, at the, at the moment, they are at one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire, as Paul is writing this particular book to them, this particular letter. And they were a church that, um, there was, there was a synagogue in, in Thessalonica, but it wasn't a huge synagogue. So most of this church is made up of Greek or, 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 or Gentile Christians, but they, are in a very transit place. It was an ideal place for the spreading of the church to be. It was a large city of close to a million people, they speculate, and there were people that came through and stayed and worked, and then they would go off and, and go back home. Uh, the, the coastal community meant there was a lot of imports that came into Thessalonica, and then there were two major highways, Roman highways, that led out of the city. It was a place that strategically, it was the perfect place for a church to start and then to grow out from there. And so Paul's writing to this group of Christians, and this is what he says to them. He says, first and foremost, he says this, verse 2, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us. Of the, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not, with, uh, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything else about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescued us from the coming wrath. Okay, let's talk about some things. The first description here in this particular passage that I absolutely love, and one that 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 I hope and I pray 
People look at us and they end up saying the same thing about us. I think if I, if I have to say, if, if there's a verse or a couple of verses that we say as a church, hey, this is going to be our focus and we're going to try to be this, it comes from verse 3. It comes from verse 3. He says, We remember before God our, and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And some of your some of your passages are going to read a little bit different there. But if you don't have that, if you don't have that passage underlined, I want you to underline that passage in your Bible. Mark that passage because that's just a powerful thing. Because this is a depiction of what we should be as Christians. We should be workers, we should be laborers, and we should be people who are willing to endure even tough moments. So let's talk about these things. If these are supposed to define us, let's figure out how they're supposed to define us. The first thing he says, he says, he mentions their work produced by faith. And I love that idea because faith, in, in, in a lot of places, if you're not careful, faith becomes this kind of mythical thing that is something that you have but it's not really something seen. But, I'll, but the Hebrew writer says that your faith is the evidence and the substance, the substance and evidence that you believe in God, that, pe- that you shouldn't have to look at people and go, hey, Judd, I'm a Christian. Judd should be able to look at me because of the work that I'm doing in my life and go, hey, I know who Matthew follows. I know what Matthew's about because of the work that he is doing. What does James say? Faith without what? Works is dead. He says, basically, if you don't have works in your life, your faith is useless. There's no point in it. There's no point in it whatsoever. So what is this works that he's talking about? Well, I'm going to give you a definition, okay? This is what Paul is thinking about when he writes this word. It is an action produced by an inner desire or an intention, Okay, so these Christians in Thessalonica, they had this desire to serve God. It was, it was in them. It was the most important thing to them. It gave them purpose. And they said, because of what God has done for me, I'm going to turn around and I'm just going to work for him. I'm going to do whatever needs to be done. I'm going to, I'm going to volunteer when volunteers are needed. When I'm voluntold, I'm going to do that too. You know, I'm not going to gripe about things. I'm not going to complain. This was a working church. A working church. That is what they are known for. Let me ask you this. What are we known for? I don't, it's a redundant question. Why don't you think about that? What are we known for? Those of you that have been here for a long time, what are we known for? And the question is, are we known for being a working church? Because I'm going to tell you what happens when you're a working church. When you're a working church, you don't have as many people gripping and complaining. Because when you're busy, what do you not have time for? Complaining. And if you're really working and you're really putting a lot of effort into it, like, hey, I'm going to give my all to this. When I get through working, I'm going to be so tired from working, what am I not going to feel like doing? Complaining. And then I get up the next day and I'm refreshed and I realize, listen, when we're a working church, we have a goal, we have a direction, and, and churches who have directions and who have goals are usually unified churches. 
Because they know where they're going. See, churches that, churches that don't know where they're going, churches that don't know what they're doing, churches that just kind of spin their wheels and go through the motions, that's where a lot of the challenge comes from. Because when you don't have anything to work toward, all there is is just kind of empty space. So as we focus on becoming a working church, as we focus on, on, on putting effort and energy into a direction then we are going to not have time to do anything but positive things. I truly believe that. Now, that's not to say that some people still aren't going to get their feelings hurt and some people still aren't going to, you know, have some things to say, and that's okay, but because, you know, we're, going to just, we're just going to keep working through it. We're just going to keep working through it. I want to tell you, and, and these things are coming, all right? We were uh, last Monday night, uh, myself, and Jonathan and the elders, we sat down and we talked about this very thing. What do we need to be doing? What does our focus, over the next 12 months, what does our focus as a church need to be? And we had some amazing conversation. And we talked about some things that we are going to begin to be focusing on. We're not ready to talk about them and share them yet. But I want you to know that those things are coming that there is a direction being set, there, are, there, there is a goal that we're going to try to accomplish together over a period of time. And I'm excited about that because it gives us all something to do. It gives us all something to work for. And, and, and that is something that churches need. But then he takes it a step further. He goes, you're not just a working church. He says, you're a laboring church. You're a laboring church. He says, and that labor comes from love. Now, some people may think that work and labor are kind of the same things, and, and in some ways they are interchangeable. But labor here means deep fatigue and extreme weariness. He says, you're not just a working church. You're a church that when you start, when you take on a project, when you start moving in a direction, you go and you go and you go and you go until you have nothing left to give. And then you keep going. He says, you do that because of your love. Now, I want you to think about that love for a second. I think this love is twofold. I think the first part of this love is love for God and love for what he did for us. We were, we were talking in class about overcoming temptation, and one of the things we talked about from Jesus' life himself and his temptations in Matthew chapter 4, and one of the things um, that one of the guys said in our class was Jesus was able to overcome the temptation because he realized that the reward on the other side was so much greater. He loved God and he loved what was coming. He, his focus was in that way. And when we have that same understanding that God has done something amazing for us, God has sent his son, he died for us, that gives us hope, that gives us salvation, that gives us grace, that gives us love, that gives us all these things. And we say, look, I love you for that. I love you for what you've got in store for me on the back end of this life because this life has got some great things to offer, but I know that what's coming is greater than what is here. And I love you for that, God. When I have that true love for God, then I'm going to be willing to give more. I'm going to be willing to labor. And then I think the other side of that is the love we have for each other is when I see you working, and I love you, and I see you're working, and I see you giving, it's going to motivate me to work and give and labor. So we need to be a church that's working, working together, being unified in that work, but also taking it to the next level and saying, because of my love for God and my love for each and every one of you, I'm willing to step up my game 
and do even more. Let me ask you this question. I want you to think about this on a very personal level this morning. Very personal level. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your current work level in the church? Scale of 1 to 10, what is your current work level in the church? Think about that for just a second. Now let me ask you a question. I want you to, if you want to, you can raise your hands for this one. How many of you are happy with that number? All of you are happy with it? None of you are happy with it. Why did I just, how many of you are happy with that number? Okay, yeah. How many of you are not happy with that number? How many of you are not really sure what your number is? Let me ask you this. What, what would it take for you to move that number one spot to the positive? Hey, I'm a four. Let's say I'm a four. What do I need to do to become a five? Okay. I'm a three. What do I need to do to become a four? Maybe you're a zero or a one. What do you need to do to take that number one step to the positive? And be just a little bit. If we all upped our game one step, amazing how much different our church would be. Hey, you know what's happening? And this is just coincidence. You know what happens next week? Tomorrow, starting at six o'clock, what happens? Vacation Bible school. You want to up your level of number work or what you're doing? Show up tomorrow night. We will put you to work. We'll find something for you to do. And you can walk away and go, you know what? I've served God better today than I did yesterday. I've served God, and that's our goal, right? Is to work and labor and serve God better today than I did yesterday. Because I can't do anything about yesterday. Can't change it, can't fix it, can't make it any worse. I can't do anything about tomorrow. What can I do? What can I affect? Right here, right now. Show up and give a little bit more. Show up and give a little bit more. Don't even wait till tomorrow. Raise your hand, Jonathan. Find Jonathan today and be like, I'm going to do something. Tell me what to do. It's just an opportunity for you to work and labor with love for each other. Then the next thing he says, he says, it's your labor, it's your work, it's your labor. And then he says, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you guys, he says, you remain, you keep pushing even when it gets difficult. The reason churches don't grow, this is just Matthew's perspective. The reason churches don't grow is because change and growth is difficult. You know what the hardest part about change is? Changing. Changing. And changes are small and subtle sometimes. Um, one of the funniest changes that happens in growth, and you've heard me say this before and we've joked about it before, one of the funniest changes that happens when a church grows is you walk in one, some, one Sunday and this new person is sitting in your seat. I have seen a woman walk up to a visitor and do this. You're in my seat. And she stood there until he got up and moved. My first Sunday in McMinnville, and, and we love this family. Matter of fact, we named our son after this family because more so of what they meant to Blair through, through her time in that youth group 
But, but after some of the stuff that they did for us while I was there, and she told me that. She said, y'all are in our seat. But she goes, that's fine, but next week we're going to want it back. That was my first Sunday on this job. You're in our seat, and that's fine, but next Sunday we want it back. And she was kidding, but she wasn't kidding. You know, we want to be a growing church. No, I've never, I've never known a church that says we want to die. We, want, we just want to be a dying church. They've never said that, but their actions prove that. Maybe. But I'm going to tell you, Ninth Avenue, your leadership, your ministers, your teachers, your deacons, we want to be a growing church. Amen? We want to save souls. Amen? But that means there's going to come times that we're going to face challenges with each other, and there's going to be things that go on that, that they're different than maybe they were. Maybe something, my favorite phrase, we can't do that because we've never done it that way before. We may have some moment. Listen, I'm so grateful. Our Sunday night stuff that we're doing, we've never done it that way before, right? But you all have been so positive about that. And I appreciate that so much. And I know there's some people that are coming, and it's not your favorite thing in the world, but you're there, and you're being positive anyway. That is what, that is what it's about. We're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, you know, growth brings change and challenges. And if we know that going in, and we say, hey, even though we're going to face change, and we're going to face challenge, we're going to do something. We're going to do something. Let's make a commitment to each other right now. We're going to love each other. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, I'm going to love you. Say it. I'm going to love you. Now, if you're sitting on this side of the auditorium, I want you to look to this side, and this side, look to this side, and say, I'm going to love you. Do you know why we have to do that? Because Jesus says, people are going to know who you are by what? How you love one another. How you love one another. And I want you to know, I'm willing to be patient with you if you're willing to be patient with me. I'm willing to have difficult conversations with you if you need to have them with me, as long as we do it in what? As long as we do it in love. Because you see, churches that endure, and that's what this word means, you remain under challenges. Challenge comes to you, it's on top of you, and you just keep going. And churches that don't grow, they hit that wall of challenge, and they go, we can't break through that. That's too hard. They don't endure. But the Thessalonica church, what did they do? They worked, they labored, and when challenge came, they just kept pushing through. They said, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let it get me down because I love God and I love my brothers and sisters and we're not going to let this end because things get difficult. All right, that's the first paragraph of my lesson. We're almost out of time. Anybody up for another hour? Anybody good for another hour? Four or five of you? All right, then y'all can leave and everybody else can stay. No, um, here is, there's a lot that I would love to talk about, but where, where do we want? Okay, let's go to verse five. 
Uh, verse 4, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. You can underline chosen you. If you've got room out in your Bibles, there are, there's one word that's translated several different ways. Chosen, elected. The third one is, is my personal favorite. It's favorite. He starts First uh, Peter, he says, to God's elect. But that also can translate to God's favorites. And I love that because as his child, I am always God's favorite. You know, I make the joke that every parent really does have a favorite kid. They're just not willing to admit it. Okay? Like my mom's favorite child is my sister. We all know that. She won't just come out and admit it, but your actions prove how you feel, right? Faith without works. We all know my sister's the favorite. I was the favorite until eight when my sister was born, and then I was no longer the favorite. I'm not bitter about it, but it's okay. Um, you're God's favorite. I want you to know that this morning. Every one of you, you're God's favorite. You have a day, you have a moment where you feel no one cares about you, no one loves you. We all have those moments that we struggle. Remember, the creator of the universe says you are his favorite. And that's something that should bring us encouragement. Um, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You, uh, you, know how to, see, you know how we lived among you for your sake. You were imitators of us and of the Lord. You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with what? With joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you became a model to all the believers. Okay, there's two words here. There's imitator and there's model. Okay, the word imitator here means to follow the example of someone else. Um, imitator is used seven times in the New Testament. It's always used in a positive way of you look at what someone else is doing positively and you do exactly what they're doing. As a young Christian, that's an important thing. Another word for that is discipleship. And you hear me talk about that is for you to find someone and pattern your life after them. Listen, if you, want to, if, you, if you struggle in your life with the finer details, all right, I'm a big picture guy. Fine details are not my forte. Okay? Fine details are not my forte. And this is what I mean by that. We're working in the old auditorium. Brian tells me to do something. Put up the cardboard. If you looked at the side that Jonathan and I put up, and then you look at the side that Brian and Opie put up, you see two guys who are big picture guys. What's the job? Get the what up? The cardboard. But then you've got two other guys who they are detail guys. And their stuff looks a lot better than our stuff. And so if I want to grow in that, I need to imitate someone like Brian. Okay, If you want to grow in something, find someone that's good at that and imitate them. But then there's something that happened in the middle of this imitating is they went from imitators as a church, a church imitating Paul as he imitated who? God. To a church who was then a model. They became a model for all the churches. They had grown and matured to the point where Paul says, you don't need to be like me. You need to be as a church like this church over here. And the reason that happens is 
every time to be a model, this word was a, was a word for like a stamp that's, that was struck repeatedly to make a exact representation. And so every time that they were imitating Paul as he imitated Christ, they were stamping themselves. They were striking, 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 striking until eventually they imitated him enough that they became a what? A perfect representation of what Paul was trying to be. You see, if we imitate other Christians who are more mature, who are grown more than us, who, who, who have greater knowledge than us, if we try to model our lives after them, then eventually as we're doing that, we grow and we become that mature person. We become that attention to detail person. We become that person that is able, going to be able to teach because I've, I've watched this person study and I'm modeling my study after them. And now I'm able to study and, and learn and comprehend myself so someone can then watch me and do the same thing. We need to be a growing church, not just in number, but in spirituality as well, in our talents. Let me ask you to think about something this morning. What's your passion in life? What do you love to do? And how can you use that to serve the kingdom? Okay, you have a passion that you can use because if you've got a passion, I guarantee you someone else in this room has a very similar passion. And y'all can be imitators of each other. And y'all can work together and y'all can grow together. That's to me what this, this from imitator to model is all about. It's about growing in spirit. We want to grow in number. I get that. Not because of numbers, because, but because people are souls that need to be saved. Okay, And we love them, and we want them to be with God through all of eternity and not spend eternity in hell. That, that, is, that is what we want for them. But it's not just about numbers. It's about growing spiritually together and moving forward together as a church. And he says, we're going to wrap up with this kind of last thought. He says, and you became this model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. It rang out from you. When you hear that word rang out, what do you think of? A what? A bell? That's what I think of. I hope now you do too because it's what I just said. This word means loud and clear. Another way to translate it is sound forth. But to come out loud and and clear. Can you be loud with no real substance to the sound? Yeah, you can. Can you be clear without any volume? Yeah, but if you've got clear, a clear message being shared loudly, that is very, very effective. Now, there's some things that can get in the way of loud and clear. Negativity can get in the way of loud and clear. Gropping can get in the way of loud and clear. Not loving can get in the way of loud and clear. Two opposite messages can get in the way of loud and clear. We need to understand what our message is. And our message, first and foremost, above anything else, is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not ministries. It's not elders. It's not preachers. It's not vacation Bible school. It's Jesus. That is our message. That through everything that we do, that message has to ring out loud and clear. I have, if I could go and visit any church at any time, 
I would want to go to Thessalonica. I would love to see this church. It would look completely different than this. I know that for a fact, just because of time and, um, and, and, and generations and, and different things, traditions. But at its core, this church had it figured out. And this is what we need to become, a, a church that works, that labors, that endures, a church <coughs> that understands that we're the favorite of God in a church, that we grow spiritually, we go from being imitators to, to models. And he, he also says in this, you did all this joyfully. You did all this joyfully. You were happy to do this. You were glad to do this. You didn't grab along the way. You were just focused on God, and that was the main thing, and nothing else mattered. How many of you want that to be us? Like 10 of you? Okay, if you would open your Bibles back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we'll get the rest of you on board here. Hey, listen, we've got a great challenge ahead of us. We've got a great mission. And it's not easy. I get that. And there's going to be times, hey, we're, we're family, all right? And even though you've all told each other you love each other this morning, I'll just be honest with you because this is how family is. Sometimes we're going to get on each other's nerves. Sometimes we're going to get on each other's nerves. We're going to rub on each other. We're going to spend a week together in an auditorium working on vacation Bible school. And by the end of that week, we're going to be glad that the week's over sometimes because we've seen too much of each other. Can you see too much of each other? You got family that if you spend enough time with them, you're like, whoo, it's time for them to go home. Like what Medea said. Medea said when family shows up, just stick some tuna under the bed. After two days, the company leaves. They're, gonna, they're not going to stay. But we can endure. We can push through. We can overcome the challenges. We, 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 can, we can take the change and roll with it and turn negatives into positives. And one of the things we talked about Monday night, everybody mentioned this, is that this church is full of love. Full of it. As we talked about our strengths, every guy sitting at that table said, one of the main strengths of this church is love. And if we've got that, hey, there's nothing we can't accomplish. You agree with that? If we've got the love, there's nothing we can't accomplish. So that's my challenge to you this morning from the Word of God. Let's close with a word of prayer, then we'll have our invitation. God, we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for the chance to open up your word and to study. We thank you for the love that is in this church. And we, we're just so excited about, um, about where we're going and where we're heading. God, we know it's not going to be easy. We know that there's going to be challenges along the way. But God, let us love each other. Let us just, just be patient with each other. Help us to overcome those challenging moments, to, to keep our focus set on you and just, just seek your will in everything that we do. And when we do that, God, I know, I know that you'll bless us, that you'll bring growth to our family, that you'll, you'll provide opportunities for us to share the message of hope that is the salvation of your son, that we'll be able to bring people to you and, and, and allow you to save their souls. God, be with us this week as Vacation Bible School starts. Help us to just have a good week, a fun week, an encouraging week. Help our kids to grow um, in their knowledge of your word. Help us to grow closer to each other. Help us to be patient with each other throughout the week. God, just, just let it be a wonderful week. We thank you for our leaders. We thank you for just each family member, our brothers and sisters, God. And just bless us in the most amazing way. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There is the
If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Yeah.